Hey everybody, it's Brian. Ben just wanted me to tell you, if this is your first time listening to us, maybe start with a different episode. Not that this one's bad, it's just we don't usually talk about straight up serial killers and super dark subject matter, and this one got us off our game a little bit. If you're a regular listener and have heard the show before, thank you so much for coming back. Have a listen, but you might notice it sounds different than usual. Alright, thanks everybody. Here's the show. Hello again and welcome to Crime and Music. I'm your host, Brian J. Kinsley, and with me as always, my friend, Ben Rupo. Hey, I want everyone to realize that I am giving up mowing my yard right now. I swear, I, I'm going to need a combine to cut that stuff down. All this rain and the warm and the beautiful sunshine, that yard looks like a hayfield out there. But we're going to do this instead. Oh no, we're going to do this. This cause... is important. This is a big, the big, big day today. It's a huge day, much like every other Wednesday, although this is Thursday, when we bring you a true crime podcast about people in and around the music business and their misadventures in the law-breaking. If you like murder, mystery, crime, history, stories about things and music and, you know, stuff, you know, basically people who really famous and like performing on stage and then they made some weird choices and like why did you abduct somebody or like why did you decide to go shoot that guy and so and that's what we talk about so if you like those sort of things you're in the right place buckle in because we have another amazing story of musical mayhem crime and music i i like stories about things and i'll go even further i like stories about stuff stuff and things things and stuff you like both kinds <laughs> that's right all right. Well, I'm going to do this by myself because Ben said he's not drinking, but I got, there was a little pop top for you. I got a guy coming over to give me a price on some cabinetry doors for my kitchen. and uh, If someone's going to come to my house and charge me money, I'd probably be more uh, agreeable if I were drinking. So, I'm, he's uh, not, <laughs> he ain't charging me money. He doesn't work for me yet. <laughs> uh, I see. What are you, dr- what are you drinking flavor there? I've got right vein... Right Brain Brewery Cakewalk. Cakewalk? It's a vanilla Ooh. cream ale. It's, it's a nice one. It's uh, Ah, there it is. Ben and I are using the magic right. of the internet. Oh, oh, so Right Brain here recently, um, up in our part of Michigan, up in the northern part of Michigan, they, due to the corona dealio, um, have reopened some of the restaurants and bars only in parts oh, yeah. of Michigan. And Just Right northern Brain. Northern yeah. what we call up north. Yeah, and Right Brain was so one of the first. North of Claire one of the first bars in Michigan or breweries to open because a lot of the folks hmm. decided to still put it off for a couple of days. So they get all their ducks in a row. But Russ, the guy at the owner up there, he's like, no dude, I am opening Russ. now. People are going to get in here and they're going to start having fun. We need to do this. And he put, instead of uh, um, ketchup bottles on all the tables, he put, cause they weren't going to do any food. They were going to hold off on food. They're just going to do beer. So all he right. refilled a bunch of ketchup bottles like the refillable kind of ketchup bottles with hand sanitizer at every table. So you had your own hand sanitizer. And on the on every single one, he labeled it, don't be a dick and steal this. Ah, <laughs> yeah. That's funny. There's like, <laughs> Just don't be a dick. I know that there's some bars who have like pint glasses that say, I'm an asshole and stole this from Mickey's bar in <laughs> Tulsa Luca or whatever. And you're just like, oh, because no. we don't sell these. No, that hand sanitizer here for a moment in uh, in in the United States and the world, I'm sure it still is, but it's uh, it's like liquid gold. Oh, dude, I tell you, and you know what? You said that he put them on all the tables, and I just started thinking, isn't hand sanitizer flammable? Um, as a person who, as his daily <laughs> day day job, um, yes, that's I, why I'm asking you. Yeah, I, I sell. Yeah, it's very flammable, and I am professional, and it's very. I mean, it's extremely flammable, and uh, just a funny story. One of the one of my customers is a fire department and they won't allow in any of their buildings, I think that are three stories or taller, something like that, any alcohol-based hand sanitizer dispensers hung up on the walls. Oh, um, sure. That's a and, bomb. And there's, and there's non-alcoholic options for hand sanitizer, uh, but most of the stuff we're finding now is the alcohol-based stuff. So when we, got in, the midst, yeah, when we got in the midst of the COVID, the, the fire department starts ordering up all this hand sanitizer from me and i'm like you know it's the alcohol based stuff they're like i don't care i need it and i said well two months ago you made my customers take them all down and put up the non-alcohol based stuff but i guess what do i know and he's like dude this is just it no it, rules have changed <laughs> all right <laughs> i saw a, a, a gallon of it for sale at the local uh 
uh, beer store down the road, you know, a little uh, party store, as we call it. Sure. Want to take a guess what a gallon of this stuff cost? What they were oh, trying God. to sell it for? Uh, a gallon of hand sanitizer, eighty bucks. A hundred dollars, ninety-nine, yeah. ninety-nine. <laughs> wow. And they wow. they were either ripping everybody off or they got ripped off because this better be the best damn hand sanitizer. <laughs> I'm selling it you, currently. You got for lucky. Twelve bucks a quart. That's pretty cheap. I mean, twelve bucks for a quart. You know, that's fifty bucks for a gallon, and that's wow. that's that's list price. Not not wholesale. Yeah. All right. Let's hey. Find let's do this. this. Let's get into some crime and music because I'm not. Oh yeah. No. This is not a hand sanitizer podcast. It, no. It could be with a little well, with a little retooling, but yeah. All right. They get they get creative with it. Well, you know, we've talked about some church burnings. I'm sure some hand hand sanitizers can burn down something like you're saying. We could. I don't want to inspire people. We might have to edit some of these things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't drink it either. I heard on a podcast. Uh, Gotta be true. It's said, on the internet. They said strap it to the wall, then it'll, it'll blow up. Are we gonna get to um, my favorite part? My, my your favorite fave? part's coming up right now. Are you ready? Oh, by the way, I should just tell you. Or, well, let's put the music behind it, and then I'll tell you the news. Okay, you ready for Ben's favorite part called "Guess the Guest"? It's scary how accurate you are with that, even though you can't hear it. I, I got like a metronome in my head. I, I got it now. I see that you do. All right. This week's guest the guest. Um, you have no clue who this is. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I can't wait. We'll try. We'll try. <laughs> I can't wait. Guess the guest. Um, well, okay. He's a jazz musician. Uh, Max Weinberg. Max Weinberg is a jazz musician and a fellow drummer, but no, that's, that is not the guy. Um, fellow musicians call him Dave. Dave Matthews. No, 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 no. A little older than that. Hey! Dizzy Gillespie? That, well, maybe. With the big puffy cheeks and the trumpet. Yeah. Um, He's also known as the Sex Beast. Uh, Brian, I'll feel real uncomfortable if we're doing a podcast about me. That'd be weird. Ah. That'd just be weird. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, you're not going to want to share this nickname at the end. Um, he is an American serial killer. What? Oh, yeah, we're dipping our toe into the big leagues of true crime podcast today, buddy. Uh, Dave, Dave um, David Berkowitz, Horowitz. Ooh, ooh you are in the right ballpark. Son of Sam? No, it's, we're close. Son of Sam? Son of Sam, the dog played the banjo. All right, I I, I can't. Uh, you're gonna have to get. No, we had, I, you we got any more? Twenty seconds. Twenty. Um, David he is Morris. from the east East Coast. He's East Coast guy. Charles Manson. Manson was California, buddy. I don't know. I'm just throwing out names of people. I don't. I even, know. Ten seconds. I don't even oh, think Charles no. Manson killed anybody. Uh, technically no. And you know what's funny? We'll get there because I've been doing some research here and, uh, yeah, it's interesting stories. All right. No, guess the guest this week. His name is Melvin David Reese Jr. You're right. I didn't know him. Yeah, no, <laughs> right. How would you? Would well, you started giving me these like, oh, you're close. I'm not close. <laughs> <laughs> you might be. I don't know how these people are related. I have no idea. You're just so. doing that to egg me along. I, yeah, I want to encourage you. All right, uh, born well. in, born in 1933, Melvin David Reese Jr., um, possibly Maryland, parts unknown, United States of America. It's it's in that area where nobody can really name all the states perfectly, you know. Yeah, right. They're all gerrymandered, shaped funny, and like there's a gap in the mountains, and there's a state here and a panhandle there, and who knows what's going on. Yeah, why can't it all just be like the American, the West, where everything's a square? square. <laughs> Just square. Yeah, it's a square. That's how they should run all the roads, 90 degree angles. I'm going to 12,478th Street in second, and I'll see you in three days. You don't like the spoke pattern? <laughs> a spoke and wheel pattern is not an efficient way to run a city. I'm just saying. Uh, Look at D.C. Like, those people are running the clocks, like, in, on time and trains. Hey, the, the history of Detroit and how they started laying out their road pattern is... Uh, very unique and interesting. If anybody would like to look at the YouTube video, Google Detroit Street Pattern, um, Oakland Community College. They, they got a great little YouTube video on that. I think it's Oakland Community College. OCC is all right with me. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, what's this guy's so, first name again? Da- not Dave. 
Uh, Melvin. Melvin. Melvin David Reese Jr. So he's a junior. So you, all you true crime people can go, ooh, junior. Take a drink. I drink. He's a junior. Yeah. How could it not be? Um, but uh, fellow musicians call him Dave. And so I'm going to call him Dave. And uh, yeah, basically, there's not a lot known about his childhood. Um, he's in and around the Maryland area. We know in the early 50s, a young man called Dave attended the University of Maryland in College Park, just outside of D.C., like you're talking about on the spoke in the wheel hub. Uh, well, that's probably a little farther out than the city, but uh, classmates at UMD would later recall him as being a talented musician. He had a ton of skill. Um, he played a bunch of instruments, but he really focused on the saxophone, the piano, and the clarinet. Saxophone. So, exactly. Uh, Dave drops out of uni or college, University of Maryland, uh, before he graduate because he wanted to pursue his music career. Um. Or that's his excuse, because I bet you a lot of people are like, I'm going to follow my music career. Well, you're going to fail out of college either way, so go ahead. So they sent you a letter. I'll admit I got a letter from the good people at Central Michigan University that said, you need to study harder or else you can't come back here. And I never went back there. And you never reached your full potential over there, Brian. No, but, you know, then you graduate from another university and you're like, eh, these people like me. So all in all. Hey, did we ever tell the story about the place that you and... uh, uh, your roomie stayed at when you live there. What our crash apartment? It was, <laughs> I. It was a weird place, man. Because if you went to that campus and you went walking around, driving around, hanging out, going to parties, it right. was pretty white bread. Like, I mean, middle of the state, mid oh, Michigan. Yeah. Everybody looked like a farm girl or a farm a bunch boy. of farmers' kids. Yeah, exactly. it was just like. It was like Sweden and Ireland and <laughs> and and uh, Denmark all got together and opened a college, you know, whatever. Oh, and yeah. So, but the building you stayed in, I think you were the only white people in it because every single one of the other people, I swear, were Asian, Brian. Oh, we might have been in the international apartment complex. It's I, like we, we found a deal at the end of the year, that's for sure. Well, and it was in like the back alley beside the Chili's restaurant or – um. Las Senoritas. Las La Senoritas. Yep. Yep. Thursday night, two for one uh, fajita night. <laughs> well, Thursday night, Friday night, Boy, Wednesday you night, can smell it. Monday night, the vent fans, I swear, were discharged directly into your apartment. Right to our, yep. Yep. Uh, we had a sweet balcony that overlooked the Las Senoritas parking lot. <laughs> oh, my God. You would just. Which was handy because we actually broke into our own apartment a couple of times. Me hoist up onto the balcony and oh, like, I, oh, open the door. <laughs> I had to get on that balcony once or twice. But oh, yeah. no, it, we'd have to come and see you guys. Like, We'd go down to Michigan State Had party. To. No, we'd go down to Michigan State party on Friday. Then we'd drive up to Central and party with you guys because we knew after we got done partying at Central, we had to come home and like decontaminate because you smelled like a, you smelled <laughs> like nachos, nachos and stale beer. Uh, all right. Uh, I don't know why we had to tell days. that story, but I had to get off. Well, that's because you know college life and musicians back in the day, much like Dave here, um, he he dropped out. Pretty much probably in a similar fashion. He's like, oh, I chose to drop, like you're saying. Like, nah, you got kicked out because you're partying too hard. Hey, did, so he travels around. Dave the whole time? Yeah. Can we call him? Just Dave? imagine. Can we call him David Idi- Lee Roth? Idiot Dave? I can call him Idiot Dave. Okay. I like sure. it. I like that. I like to call anybody who's named Dave in my book idiot. is Idiot Dave. <laughs> and I'm not. I feel like there's an original <laughs> Idiot Dave we're <laughs> never going to hear about. <laughs> there is. <laughs> it's and it's yet. as big as Idiot Dave is Idiot Dave. The story's even stupider. So go. No, we're not telling that one. For next time, idiot. All right. Well, let's go. Uh, 1955, and idiot Dave is arrested on and charged with assaulting an unidentified 36 year old woman. Okay. So, uh, idiot Dave here tries to force uh, her into his car, but she bobs and weaves and escape. Um, the victim, however, does not want to press charges, so the case against him is dropped. And that is how we start in on this whole thing. He started with crime, it sounds like. Well, music first. He was a jazz musician and then, you know, like a music student. And then all of a sudden, hey. Just play the I'm right notes, damn it. Like I do. One, two, three, four, one. Uh, June 26, 1957. Um, here's a story about a lady named Margaret Harold uh, and her boyfriend, uh, Sarge, the U.S. Army Sergeant. Okay. Sergeant Slaughter. The- Sergeant Slaughter and, and Margaret. Marge. Tell them Marge sent you. 
Um, Marge and Slaughter are out on the weekend. He's on weekend leave, and they're just driving around Annapolis, Maryland. There's a, a base out there, you know, and there's actually on the water. It's pretty nice. You get to see the ocean and stuff like that. And um, they notice there's this green Chrysler just kind of following them around, you know, like that's kind of weird. And then uh, green Chrysler just starts driving right at him, like, oh shit, like he's gonna hit us. And eventually they get run off the road. Right? They're they're walking. No, they're 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 driving. Okay, so this car is following they're also driving. around. They're driving okay, around. gotcha. Right. They're All being right. tailed. They're being tailed by a green Chrysler, and it eventually runs them off the road. Right? Were they just in a and Clint then, Eastwood movie? Because that sounds like a Clint Eastwood movie. Dear, like dirty hairier. Oh wait, it gets dirtier and hairier right now. So after uh, they get run off the road, the other car that ran them off the road, the driver gets out. It's Dave. And he's like, hey, roll down your windows, right? And they're like, oh, okay, what's going on, man? He pulls out thirty-eight revolver. Ooh. And he's like, give me some cigarettes and give me all your fucking money. And uh, they don't smoke, and nobody's carrying around Wad's cash back in the 50s. So uh, Dave gets all super pissed off, shoots Margaret point blank in the face. No, that's not this – is, this is already taken quite – Okay, we're making up for all the weak crime music musicians that we've had in the last few weeks with this guy. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah, this is a face pop, not a desk pop. He just, boom, shoots Margaret in the face. Uh, the Sarge, Sergeant Slaughter, bails on the car, flees the scene. He runs across a bunch of farm fields and stuff like that, gets old, into an old farmhouse, calls the cops. Police arrive at the farmhouse. They pick up Sergeant Slaughter. And uh, other officers go to the car. They're at the crime scene. Um, they find that Dave, idiot, allegedly. Idiot, idiot Dave. Idiot Dave, allegedly, has removed all of Margaret's clothes, sexually assaulted her, and uh, it turns out Margaret was dead at the time that those things happened. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Idiot Dave. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, the cops search the area for an unidentified man, a uh, tall white dude, what they're looking for. They come across a creepy abandoned cinder block constructed building sort of thing, like a shack out in the woods, like a shed. Like a, uh, and a they shack notice, cabin. It's called a shabin. A, sh- a shabin. A shabin. Very shabin. Shabinly. Uh, they notice one of the basement windows is broken out, right? And they're like, oh, we should probably go check that out. So they go inside the structure, and uh, detectives and investigators, they discover a collection of all these pictures, right? Just pictures, like, like strewn all over the walls of violent pornographic images and, like, autopsy photos and pictures of female corpses and stuff just taped all up, like, straight-up movie style. Okay, so hold on. Real quick. Okay. This takes a certain level. What year is this in the 50s? Is in the 50s? 1957. This, whomever did this, I'm assuming it's Idiot Dave. That Idiot? takes well, a certain level of dedication, of hard work to tape yeah, this. planning. There's no, well, I mean, just to tape the pictures up. There's no internets. You're not, da- you're not down. You're going to the library. <sighs> sorry, Michelle. Michelle, I am so sorry. <laughs> I, I'm oh, I hit like, um, but the, uh, where do you get that stuff? I mean, you'd have to go out in public and find it somewhere. Oh, microfiche dude. or something. That's true. There's research in there, right? Yeah. Like actual. Wow. Yeah. yeah I didn't. Okay. Put a nickel. In That's the, creepier than I thought it was. Well, and then there's probably not even in the fifties, a good way just to say, make a copy. Well, you can't be taking that film in or whatever, like where you're getting those pictures. That's right. You can't just have that developed. So you gotta, like, you gotta like sneak into a coroner's office or some crap. Uh, or steal some reference material at the library. You're not supposed to do that. Well, along with the photos and the pornographic images and the autopsy corpse pictures, they find a yearbook photo of a woman identified as Wanda Tipton. Wanda Tipton. That wasn't the lady that that killed. No, no, no. This is just a rando. She's just some random woman named Wanda Tipton. She's a 1945 graduate of the University of Maryland. So... Idiot Dave is kind of keeping in that UMD tradition. Sorry. Tarpons. Uh, police managed to contact and question her, and she denies knowing any tall, dark-haired men, as described by Sergeant Slaughter, as Margaret's killer. She's like, nah, I don't, doesn't ring a bell to me. Like, yeah, we found your picture in this murder hut. Uh, <laughs> murder she's hut. like, nah, I'm good. I'm, I'm all right. 
Okay, so it is 1957. You don't have CSI. Dun dun. There's none of those crime scene investigations, or sexual assault, or violent histories, or cyber crimes, or Navy, or any of that. There's like 40 of those shows, isn't there? But none of those. Didn't you have right? Car 54? So, where are you? Car 54. Where are you? Because <laughs> they were always out dicking around. Well, they they could assault the crime. But okay. You know that's uh, Hawaii Five O actually gave the name 50 to the cops no one called them the 50 before but they were in the police car 50 and so it's like hawaii 50 standing by they're like oh 50's here meaning the police oh but it was specifically one car and then it became ubiquitous with all cops have you so seen the TV new can affect it have you seen the new hawaii 50 i have not i caught like three episodes accidentally all in a row too yeah, is it worth it it's not bad it's all right it 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 does make me feel like it's an 80s 90s tv show where there's a there's a there's an hour show and at the end of the show it's basically right back to where it was at the beginning they solve a crime and they get ready for next week i heard the new magnum pi was all right also oh wait 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 that's what i'm talking about i'm sorry that's 100 <laughs> no that's what I'm, of course that's that's not yep that's it yeah <laughs> okay no. now you know magnum pi was the first good guy to ever cold-blooded murder somebody on TV. I think we talked about this no. before. What do you like, mean? I've never watched that when it, it went original. Oh, dude. Magnum P.I. Tom Selleck was my hero growing up. The mustache, the Hawaiian shirt, the Ferrari. I'm like, dude, this is sweet. But So I watched yeah, religiously really. all the Magnum P.I. Yeah, right? I would. Tom Selleck? He's the man. Uh, but in one of the episodes, they sort of allude to him throughout the seasons as being a Navy intelligence guy, and then finally he's a Navy SEAL, and then he's like a spy. But um, when he was captured in Vietnam, the guy who tortured him somehow ends up in Hawaii. And uh, like, it's like, oh, Magnum. And then the shot fades to black, and you hear, like, he just shoots the dude, like, and then that's the end of the episode. Like, oh, okay. So the good guy just cold blooded murdered somebody, and we're just all going to let it go. And they did. (laughs) That's that's back alley. I tortured you. Back alley justice, man. Yeah, man. Nah, it's all right. Nah. So, yeah, Magnum P.I. More controversial than people think. All right. All right. Back to Speaking idiot of stuff Dave. that's more controversial than people so think. So what's this lady's Idiot name? Dave. What's this? Um, Mar- who, no, the lady Which one are we talking book. about? The one who died? That's Wanda. Wanda, Wanda. Tipton. Okay. Fish called Wanda. Okay. So, uh, but that's fine. That doesn't matter. Uh, it's 1957. We talked about CSI doesn't exist. Forensics are super primitive. My wife likes this show, Mind Hunters or whatever on Netflix, that talks about forming FBI serial killer profile units and how they were like, we didn't know people would just start randomly killing a bunch of people because they're crazy. Never thought that was a thing. So they they're unprepared for this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, with that, there's no new leads. Margaret's murder from back with Margaret and Sarge. Uh, goes into the cold case files. Another TV show. <laughs> January 11th, 1959. Let's meet the Jackson family. They're a nice family uh, out there in Virginia, Maryland area. Um, Carol Jackson, a man, two R's, two L's. Carol. Him and his wife, Mildred, and their young daughters, Janet and Susan. Not that Janet Jackson. <laughs> Jackson? I mean, she is 1959. You couldn't have possibly imagined that Janet Jackson would be a super famous name, but, you know, 50, 70 years from now. So people have names, okay? So the Jacksons are just out on a, uh, they're just normal family with no known enemies, as, as it was cited. Uh, they're out on a drive, right? And uh, they disappear. People don't hear from them again, right? Like, they're just, the Jackson family, Like, they're poof, just out, gone. just on a going to get some ice cream coming home later yep. sort of drive. Okay. the family well no actually what it, it is is um they were at a place called apple grove which is in maryland and they were at a reunion like with other family members and they were driving home i guess is what it, what the story is so uh one of their relatives somebody else from the reunion who was leaving later stayed a little longer uh she's driving home and she sees carol's car on the side of the road she's like well wait that's my cousin carol's car over there and so she calls the cops and they go check the car, and they find no indication of struggle whatsoever. Just an abandoned car that happens to be owned by Carol Jackson. They have a massive search effort now, because now the, the Jacksons are missing. Gotta find and, the Jacksons. And there's four of them? There's four of okay. them. Okay, mom, dad, couple Janet. kids. Right. Yep, so they get a massive uh, search going on. March 4th, 1959, a couple months later. These dudes are out choring, doing hay or whatever, gathering brush. They're out near Fredericksburg, Maryland. 
kind of near where my family is from. Uh, they find some decomposing bodies lying in a ditch, and uh, it's it's Carol Jackson. Oh, all all four yeah. of them? No, just Carol. Oh. Carol had been shot in the back of the head, and his hands were tied behind his back, like execution style. And then when they picked up Carol's body out of the ditch, they find that um, he was dumped on top of his 18-month-old daughter, Janet Jackson, and it was later determined that Janet was dumped in the ditch alive, and she suffocated under the weight of her dad. Oh, this is getting just beautiful. That's what I'm saying, man. <laughs> I don't know if this is the style of true crime podcast for us. We're a little bit more light and drunk antics. So, but we're trying. We're trying the true crime. I'm not liking it. <laughs> hey, hey, this is what you signed up for, man. Yeah, no, I know. I just uh, allegedly, allegedly. Uh, David ran the family off the road, flashed a revolver as he does, and they probably didn't have cigarettes or money, so he forced him into the trunk of his Chevy, and then... Uh, Chevy see, or Dodge? The thing you is, said he had a Dodge last time. No, he keeps switching cars. Okay. Yeah, he, I mean, he's not an idiot, a total idiot, Dave, but he's switching cars, so... Um, March 21st, 1959, they find some more bodies. They find Mildred and Susan Jackson, the mom and the, other, the older sister. They're discovered in a forest near Annapolis, Maryland. So a um, ways away. I mean, like a county or two over? Or... Uh, Annapolis to Fredericksburg, you're probably talking, I don't know, an hour to a couple hours, I would imagine. Okay. It's not super close. I mean, so it was, yeah, okay. Somewhere in there. Well, I'm just curious if they got killed on the same night. Oh, no, 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 no. We'll get there. There's a he, this fucking psycho. He's got a diary. So, uh, um, yeah, it looks like Mildred and Susan, they both have signs of torture and pre-mortem sexual assault. So he raped him and then killed him. And the media picks up the story and they label him. The killer is the sex beast. So oh, yeah. Not I don't want, actually a cool name. I don't want that. <laughs> no, not 1959 or now. So. Shortly after the Jackson family's disappearance, a local couple comes forward, and they reported they had a terrifying experience with a tall, dark-haired man that same day as the Jacksons. So Wait, this guy was he was he was on the hunt. I think he was on the hunt. He was driving around, and they're like, he's in a blue older model Chevy, and he was flashing his headlights at us and trying to force us off the road, and so. Actually, they get forced off the road, and the tall, dark-haired man gets out of the car menacingly approaches the couple they're threatened but these people seem to be a little smarter than everybody else they slam it into reverse they haul ass and flee the scene yeah that's what so, I'm, that's what i'm doing <laughs> yeah pretty much um after police find mildred and susan jackson's bodies the detectives discover an abandoned building near the dump site i thought that was super indelicate to call it that um remember that block building from earlier we talked about the cinder block yeah, uh, yeah. whatever murder shed the murder shed the shed yeah it's the same Shabin. Um, it's the same thing from Margaret Harold's murder. So uh, before we get into what's inside the Shabin. They didn't put a, th- a, a, a push pin on the map where that thing was located after they found it the first time? Oh, dude, I'm sure there is. There's a whole FBI investigation going on. There's a bunch of pictures of maps and yarn and push pins and stuff like that. But uh, there, it's not quite there yet. Again, they don't have experience with this stuff, right? It's never happened. Like They're not used to someone repeatedly killing people for no reason they're like usually it's family members there's domestic drama uh this is just a random killer all right yep just randomly up and killed so uh before we get into the murder shed the shabin we're gonna take a little break right here and uh i doubled up on 21 days songs last week so you got the same two the last two weeks in a row but this time i found a new one so we're gonna play that one right now I can't hear the music guy do any noises. You're not wrong. <laughs> it was the style of the day. It was the style of the day. Yeah, very, very. Uh, who's that? Counting crows or whatever. <laughs> I feel like I, I try to write better songs now. Because uh, I didn't, I was afraid, and I thought everything had like seven different meanings to your song. I'm like, ah, I don't. It's too hard. Anyway. And we're back to another crime and music. 
<laughs> that's a shot. Is that what you want? That's a shot, isn't it, Brian? You... <laughs> oh, yeah, a little bit. Off the bow. Ding. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. All right. You good? I'm good. All right. Back to All Idiot right. Dave. Back to it. Back to Idiot Dave. Inside the murder shack, Shabin, um, they find a single red button. Like a, like a like a nuclear launch button? No, like a keep your blouse pinned together button. Oh, an article of clothing button. Yes, okay. a, a, a apparel button. Uh, it's from Mildred's dress. Oh, they so, got something to link it together now. Yep, now we got a clear indicator that she was taken there after being put in the trunk and kidnapped. And uh, there's fresh tire marks near the building. After finding similarities between uh, the Harold case and the Jackson case, basically... The area of the murders are very similar and the creepy sadistic type of crime is very similar and cars being forced off and 38s and hey, you got any cigarettes or money? Uh, you know, so cops and investigators now, the feds are like, it's got to be committed by the same person. We got too many coincidences here. There are no big coincidences or small coincidences. Not like, They're just coincidences. Not like that. Right. They're just coincidences. They've, you know, and there's no such thing as coincidence if you're used to dealing with really big numbers from what they say okay anyway statistics uh the murder investigation becomes a huge media sensation um now because they have the involvement of self-proclaimed psychic peter herkos oh they brought a psychic in okay good well yeah all right now we're gonna get to the bottom of this serious about this shit he's self-proclaimed too so it's gonna be different why did they need to they called him apparently they called him up said hey can you come over and help what? We have no idea what to do. I'm assuming. And if they did right, that, why didn't he just show up before they called? <laughs> so you're suggesting you shouldn't have to call a psychic to come help you because they should just know. I'm suggesting that a psychic should be psychics. able to actually prevent the problem that they're being asked to look into. Oh, the pre-crime unit, like minority report. If you're All a right. psychic, you're like, huh, in 1956, I'm going to be called in to solve a murder case. And if I know that already, I'm going to help prevent that murder. And this could be like in 1954, right? Well, would you? Because you might make a bunch of money off the murder and solving the murder case. So you might just be like, eh. huh? all right, I'm I just saying, I just mean, saying. People are scumbags. I mean, I'm just saying. All right. All right. So uh, <laughs> Psychic Peter, <laughs> uh, he arrives on the scene. He visits the gravesite, so the Jacksons and Falls Church, Virginia, and then um, he's he handles their possessions. Uh, you can't see my hands. He's handling their possessions, and uh, he's using his powers to accurately describe their murderers and the positions the bodies were found in. So he actually has a pretty high accuracy rate. So he's doing he's doing he's guessing well. Yeah, well, I mean, there's only so many ways you can position a body in a small shebin. They were slumped over, face down. Well, oh, hey, I'm well, you know, assume they're not on the ceiling <laughs> or on yeah. the roof. They're probably somewhere on the floor. There's a cold reading psychics are scumbags. There's a bl- I'm talking to your dead relative. There's no, a you're bloody not. blanket over there. I'm going to assume maybe that's where they were at. Follow the blood trail. It's usually pretty good. That, that's, uh, that's his advice to the cops. I'd follow the blood trail. Uh, so Peter then visits the site of Margaret Harold's murder. He tells investigators that the same killer had murdered the Jacksons too. He felt it. So Peter makes various predictions about the outcome of the case, saying that one, it would be solved within two weeks. And two, that the killer would ultimately be indicted for nine murders in total. Okay. All right. I'm going to hold, I'm gonna hold him to it. Nine and two. Gotcha. Peter leads investigators to the house of one of the main suspects. In uh, It's not Idiot Dave, but it's a trash collector. And he confesses to the murders. What? <laughs> yeah. He's like, yep, nope, you got me. I guess I killed people. <laughs> Okay, so he continue because there's got to be more that. Right. No, because there's, well, there's really, uh, that's the last you hear about the trash collector. Um, after this, because it's in the paper and it's a huge media story, um, there's an unidentified source, a drifter identified as Glenn Moser of Norfolk, Virginia. So much for the unidenti- unidentified stuff. It never goes very far. Unidentified man, Glenn, Glenn Moser. Moser of Norfolk, Virginia, a drifter. <laughs> Thought this was an anonymous whistleblower line, guys. Uh, we skip traced your phone. It's fine. Um, he sent a letter, like actually hand wrote a letter to the Fredericksburg police. And uh, Glenn the Drifter suggests that they look into this local musician that they call Dave. Idiot Dave. Uh, Idiot Dave. Glenn says he and Idiot Dave often had heady philosophical conversations when they were hanging out. Like, you have a lap when you're sitting down, but when you stand up, where does it go? 
So, Are you serious? That was that, no, that okay. was my joke. Well, their <laughs> conversations uh, were about whether murder could be considered acceptable. Like, you know, hey man, you ever think it's you know reasonable to murder somebody? Okay, all right. So, so they got they, they got that's, that, that was just conversations they had while under the influence of benzedrine. Dave told Glenn because apparently they had benzedrine parties in the shab and murder shed. Um, he considered murder just to be another part of the quote human experience and that he eagerly wanted to take part in it. Did he? Dave said that? That's what Glenn says, right. Dave said, on Benzedrine, which taking your bennies. I, I don't even know what that is. I know the truck drivers take it. If you're a truck driver and one of the C B broadcast people, uh shout us out what the what the benzos are. I think it's I I I actually think that's a one of the chemicals they put in that hand sanitizer. <laughs> I think Benzedrine is an hand sanitizer. It's like palm oil. It's in everything. <laughs> so uh, coincidentally, that same conversation that Glenn and Dave just had about killing people and being a full human experience participant, uh, that took place the day before the Jacksons disappeared. Glenn's like, you know, we were talking about that. And then from what you've told me, that whole family disappeared the next day. So I, I, hmm. honestly, I'm not saying they need a lot of experience to start putting together the pieces but it seems it seems like they had the pieces all there to be put together again you and i have the benefits of decades of murder and mayhem of, and of suspecting horrible, everybody horrible of the things. worst stuff in the world everybody all the time exactly so uh he heard about the murders months later glenn's like dave did it idiot dave it was dave <laughs> so glenn confronts idiot dave about the murders so during their conversation, now Dave was very careful. He didn't confess to killing people, but he also didn't deny it. And then he came, then he became very evasive when Glenn sort of pressed him on it. Like, did you kill those people? Look, man, I don't have to answer these kind of questions. All right. Yeah. I'm just saying though, you talked about killing define, people and then all these people are dead. Define kill. <laughs> there seems to be a large heap over in the corner of the shabbin. So I was just wondering, which, look, man. Stay out of my shabbin. I don't even, I mean, I don't know that I can have that conversation with somebody. Eh, I think you killed somebody. I'm not saying I did or didn't, but uh, I don't want to talk about it with you. Well, they were having those conversations prior, which they were both probably dipping their, dipping their toe into the water of the idea of murdering people. They were, oh God. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I've had that conversation very briefly with my wife when I'm like, uh, avenge me if I die. You know, <laughs> like vengeance, I think, is totally fine. Someone what, kills you, you, you kill that. Right. Uh, eye for an eye, man. Vengeance. <laughs> All right. I've been watching a couple too many uh, Avengers movies or uh, Thor. Avenge you, father. That's right. You got to. Anyway. Uh, so no, you shouldn't have conversations like that. People killing is wrong. In his anonymous letter, Glenn, remember that letter he wrote to the cops. Glenn also voiced his suspicion about idiot Dave in Margaret Harold's murder back in 1957. Cause he and Dave were working in an, in an, I can say that in Annapolis, uh, as salesmen back then. So he's like, now that I think about it, Dave probably killed that lady too. <laughs> he's like, Guys, I've been trying to tell you for years. It's Dave. It's idiot Dave. So the cops decide to follow Glenn's lead since the psychic wasn't really panning out. And they bring Dave in for questioning. So uh, the cops find out Dave had moved out of his house and oddly left no forwarding address. <laughs> I guess they didn't have the uh, no address to the Shebin. No, no, right? The the cinder block shab and the numbers fell off the curb and no one came by to paint them on. It's been a while. They start searching the jazz clubs and the nightclubs and like any place a jazz musician would hang out, unemployment office, places like that. <laughs> they, they don't find him. So qu- Nobody's seen him. Question, is he still sort of like actively playing music at this, at the whole, t- during this whole entire dealio? Allegedly, he is still playing some jazz at the clubs you know doing his thing as a normal guy right. living a normal life just killing people every once in a while a little bit just every once in a while you run somebody down with your car and ask them for cigarettes and money and then kill them yeah uh after running a background check the cops discovered dave did attend the university of maryland and he did date a gal named wanda tipton remember her the from earlier and right she's a person of interest in that margaret harold case and uh they go back to question Wanda, and Wanda's like, you know what? I did have a relationship with a guy they called Dave, 
But uh, I broke it off because Dave said he was married. Okay. Well, I guess she was. Uh, I, I don't want to believe That's her. Proper. I don't want to believe her. I hope you tell me that I, she's she in. She lied earlier. Yeah, right. right. I, I want I want her right. to be more involved in the story. No, I left Dave and his wife out because apparently um, it's not very. I couldn't find it verified that he was married. It said it a couple of places. Oh. And then his wife comes out and defends him in other like media like no that's not my husband he's a normal guy and then they're like yeah no he's got blood all over his hands so he he had a wife i believe that's correct yep oh wow. i think so i couldn't i could i didn't want to put it in there and say oh dave got married to this lady because i couldn't really verify it there's like four sources that say he had a wife there's like five that say he didn't so huh i just leave it out there that dave said he was married okay all right there you go 1960, the writer of the anonymous letter personally comes forward to tell the authorities that David contacted him and was currently employed at a music store in West Memphis, Arkansas. Arkansas. Oh, wow. He went a little ways away. Uh, he tried running for it, right? Yeah. So head, head to those square states. Um, Dave is living with actor Pat Barrington. That's a lady. Um, and she had a dual role in the Ed Wood scripted movie Orgy of the Dead in 1965. And the two met in Washington, D.C. in 1959 when she was stripping as Vivian Storm. Um, that was her stripper name. They lived in Hyattville, Maryland, and then moved further south in 1960. So do you, do you know anybody that if you were told, hey, that person was a, a, a serial killer, you would, you would just kind of be like, eh, I can see that. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. In fact, let me tell you this story. And then you go on to tell some story. Wow. Do you know anybody like that? I mean. Or of anybody like that? I got one. I got one. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, there's one. <clears throat> but it wouldn't be serial killer, though. It would. I don't know. It would be like. I could see them flipping out and killing somebody. Like, just not passion, but like rage or whatever you want to call it. Like, somebody who just gets. You can get them so wound up, they would freak out and stab somebody. I. No, shoot somebody. a dude that uh, he is big time in taking pictures of a macabre and Ugh, he macabre. he does weird stuff like he has a bunch of outfits and dolls in his trunk of his car. What? Yeah. And, he, and he'll for what he'll meet. He'll meet people on the Internet and he'll meet oh, them up at a, at a hotel and they'll like, what? yeah, they'll like smoke some weed or something. They'll take pictures of each other, like playing in their playing outfits. dead in outfits and just weird stuff. I don't know this guy real. Well. I know him through my brother. I I don't want to give. Too of course, much. of course. Well, you it's do. a guy. Yeah. It's a kid that he went to school with, and they, they makes kinda, perfect sense. They kind of grew up together a little bit, but they're not they're not real tight right now. But even my brother's like this guy. Yeah, you're. He's gonna have a weird ending, tragic ending to his life. It's going to be bad for him mm-hmm. and or no. everyone around him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we went to school with... Got gunned down on the Detroit River by the Sheriff's Department. So Is that true? You never know. Uh, allegedly. I choose to believe it. <laughs> this is okay. what I was told from our some other friends of ours from up north. So that's what I, I'm assuming. Uh, allegedly. That's why I put that word in there. Allegedly. I heard another guy that we went to school with got like busted on drugs but there was a guy with the same name that got busted on drugs it wasn't him yes i think i know who you're talking about yeah, also jeff. was that like uh yeah jeff. exactly jeff jeff jeff, jeff. jeff. we'll just leave it there uh because we went to school with a lot of jeff so everybody's like who is it oh man <laughs> <laughs> uh okay so now back to the not fun stuff um after searching pat and dave's house please find um a diary describing the jackson family murders and uh, notes about the murders. And then inside of a saxophone case, they find a gun that matches the one used in the killings. And there's also newspaper clippings about the Jacksons. And a chilling note about them being killed says, quote, now the mother and daughter were mine, end quote. Ugh. This guy's yeah, a there's, sick puppy. Idiot. I'd say Idiot he's Dave. broken. Yeah. Idiot Dave. Idiot Dave is arrested. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter, who witnessed Margaret's killing, is brought in and confirms that um, that is, in fact, Idiot Dave. That's the guy who shot Margaret in the face. Uh, Dave is convicted by the state of Maryland for Margaret's murder. He is sentenced to life in prison 
And then Virginia adds a death sentence for the four other murders of the Jackson family, though it's eventually changed to life in prison because they do away with the death penalty or something like that back in 72. Um, like Ohio did with David Allen Co. Investigators also suspect Dave is responsible for four other murders in and around the area of the University of Maryland at the time. You had some teenagers named Mary Schmidt, uh, Michael Ann Ryan, Mary Fellers, and Shelby Venable were all found raped and killed in separate incidences. That he was raping, um, he was raping dudes too. No, I think those are all girls' names. Did, even Michael, Michael Ann, because it's Michael Ann. Is it Michelle? M-I-C-H-A-E-L. No, it's M-I-C-H-A-E-L. Michael. Michael Ann. Huh? Michael Ann Ryan. So uh, purportedly, I don't know what purportedly means. Dave told a reporter in 1985 about two additional murders uh, in 1956, Shelby and Mary. So he basically confessed to the murders of Shelby and Mary. And then Dave is ultimately exonerated on the murders of Nancy and Michael Ann because someone else confessed to those murders. And ultimately, Dave is never charged for any of those four murders. Well, well, he's in like he had two congruent life in jail thingies. I guess. I yeah. mean, what life's what twenty five years? I thought it was until you die, but I don't know. That's what people think, but no, I literally think it's. I think there's a year date on life. We'll have to get uh, Rob, Rob, our lawyer, on the phone because I think life is twenty five years. It might be fifty. Rob, our lawyer. So, Usually, it's lawyers rob us. <laughs> oh, I have the rim shot. So stupid. <laughs> you can't even hear that. So dumb. Um, okay. So that's that's Dave. He's in prison for a bunch of murders. Is he still in prison right now? No, 1995. Dave dies in prison uh, due to heart failure. Oh, another COVID-19 death. Well, yeah, mark <laughs> it up. Uh, but Dave has a habeas corpus case that goes all the way to the Supreme Court in 1967. And they're trying to claim that because to him, they want to claim him as being incompetent. Like he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, as a schizophrenic, schizophrenia. Yeah. But the Supreme Court of the United States put their decision on hold and they literally waited it out until after Dave died. And then they put a lid on the whole case. They just put two words, cisatore uh, dismissed, which basically means it's over. He's dead. We're good. Like, huh. You know, un, un, there's no judgment or anything made on that one. It's just done. So then, but however, 2013, they had a nine to zero decision written by Justice Clarence Thomas. I feel like there's something with a Coke can and Clarence Thomas. I don't remember what. Uh, <laughs> and then they something about a pube and a Coke can. Um, so they, the earlier decision, well, the indecision, because they didn't make a decision. They said that that can't be used as precedence in other cases where incompetent defendants might evade the death penalty. So there, this is really just a minor thing about how idiot Dave's case has made it so that nobody else can sort of use the, oh, I was uh, crazy, and so you can't give me the death penalty. So, huh? Melvin David Reese, um, five people, possibly nine people in total, U.S. serial killer. We have a quote from David, according to Glenn, quote, you can't say it's wrong to kill. Only individual standards make it right or wrong. End quote. Melvin David Reese Jr., everybody. I'm not going to clap for him. He's an asshat. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he was light on the music, uh, heavy on the crime. I would say, yeah. yeah, not a very balanced crime and music thing. Well, but, we, we've, uh, had a, we've had the pendulum you? swing the other way lately, so this is okay. We're just, you know, evening out our show. Our broadcast. Yeah, trying it. Yeah. I'm trying to do the more serious sort of macabre ones there. I didn't, I don't know. I didn't like it as much. I prefer a more uh, public figure where they get into stupid shit like that. It's more it, amusing to me. Yeah, even if it's just, you know, like uh, Lindsay Lohan dumb stuff, you know, our earlier episodes. Yeah, right. Move that cone. What dumb. Yeah, it's, it's, it. her biggest crime so far is just being Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> just, right, right. Still kind of. Bieber drag racing people at 35 miles an hour in the Miami streets. He was, <laughs> what was his thing? The spitting on people? <laughs> he spit on people. He likes spit on people. <laughs> yeah. Who, didn't we have somebody that liked to slap people? Uh, Bieber slapped a couple people. Yeah, yeah. There's some slapping out there. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. Let, let us know what you think, guys. Hit us up at all the social medias, crime in music. Um, or go to crimeinmusic.com, leave us a speak pipe, and let us know what you think about sort of like the more serious ones, um, if that interests you, or if you guys like the lighter fare of uh, Hollywood's sort of 
MTV type stars, you know, let us know. Be curious to see. Wasn't bad, but sometimes this stuff gets me real depressed. So I'm glad we're doing this in the daylight. Well, I'll tell you though, here recently, the name that shall not be mentioned. Uh, he, <laughs> he said that we were starting to hit our stride, which I found amazing because it was the, the non, it was our COVID, uh, COVID episodes here where we're not in the same room. That's a little bit no, di- right. more difficult to read each other and speak at the right time without interrupting and stepping on one other's toes. But he thought it was, we were hitting our stride. I wonder what he thinks about after this one here. Cause I think he also likes the light fare. Yeah, I as do I, I think, but we'll see. Nah, I mean, you know, it's it's a, it's a big world of music and people in and around music, so we'll 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 get them all. We'll got to catch them all. All right, got to catch them all. Catch them all. <laughs> uh I was going to read that as a comment, but yeah, no. He, he the he of he who shall not be named because there is a she of she who shall not be named. <laughs> they who shall not be named. Uh yeah, no, send us a nice compliment. Did he said, like, did he yes, comment on that? And all that? No, 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 oh, okay. no. Right. No, that's just a that's a good that's a good friend. All right. So we're out for this week. We'll be back again uh, in a couple weeks. Let's have another episode of Musical Mayhem. Musicians go off the rails. Who knows? I'll try and get maybe a backup dancer or uh, we'll get another producer. Maybe we'll hit an event. You guys like those ones. So let me know what you like. CrimeMusic.com. And since I said, let me know what you like. And I'm repeating myself. We're going to end this week. Um. What are you going to do with the rest of your day? I got that guy coming over to look at my cabinets. That's right. Ben's having a professional to see if he can put paint on wood. <laughs> that's basically what it, that's what his name of his company is. Paint on wood company. Paint on wood. All right. Yeah. I saw I saw a guy, quick story, uh, coming home from work the other day, and I saw a guy wearing a two men in a truck shirt, but all he had was a dolly, and he was walking down the sidewalk. I'm like, where's the other guy in the truck? <laughs> You're a guy in a dolly. Your shirt is good misrepresented. Good I think it's like dress for the job you want, not the job you got. I'm so I'm trying to go pick up another man. Need to find a guy, and hopefully he has a truck. So, all right. Well, I hope you guys all have your uh, trucks and guys out there. I I really hope everyone's being safe. Uh, wash your hands. Don't light hand sanitizer on fire. That is, we are not responsible for that. And um, nothing else I can say, but never trust a big butt and a smile. See ya. <laughs> Actually scared me. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.